The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hello everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. One of the biggest challenges we're going to face in life is this. We can serve the created or the creator. We can serve the blessings that God has given us or we can serve the one who has blessed us. This happens throughout life. We can choose to follow God or we can follow the good stuff he's given us. On today's show, we're going to look at serving the creator instead of the created. Please join us. The difference between serving God and serving ourselves is the difference in abundant life. Thanks for joining me. I am Dr. Doug Bursch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. Uh, If you want to text the show, you can use this number, 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513, because it's radio. Got to say it three times. 360-818-4513. You can listen to this show live on Fridays. There's a repeat on Sunday on KCIS. And you can listen to the podcast if you subscribe through iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Uh, go to fairlyspiritual.org for more information. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Also, to keep this show on the radio, we need some people to donate this week. Uh, I need at least one person to give $25, a couple people to give 100 so we can stay on the air. So go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. Uh, So I want to talk about this reality. Uh, The scripture talks uh, very seriously and somberly about this struggle, that humans have perpetually and repeatedly turned from God and served the created instead of the creator. In fact, serving the created is ultimately serving ourselves instead of the one who created us, serving God. And I want to read, uh, I haven't done this on the show, um, I, don't, I don't think since I've been on the radio, but I want to read an excerpt from my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, about this very issue. Uh, because I think it's pretty important, and I think it might help someone out there who is in a dire situation. Because I know there are people listening right now where you're caught, and right now you might be serving the created instead of the creator. You might be making your decisions based on what God has created instead of making your decisions based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get into detail on the difference between serving the created instead of the creator. This is an excerpt from The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, a book I wrote. And this is chapter four, and I'm just going to read uh, from it a bit, and then we'll explain Uh, But please, uh, listen carefully, because this this is a very dangerous place to be. If you look at the sins that occur in the Old and New Testament of the followers of God, this is where they go off the rails. This is where the followers go off the rails. This is when people go from being obedient to disobedient, from uh, pursuing the blessings of God to putting themselves in very dangerous places when they begin to serve the created instead of the Creator. So this is chapter 4, Pursuing the Tree of Ruin. 
The story of Adam and Eve is a story of created community. Within the first family's history, we gain a glimpse of God's desire for human existence. For humans to be fully human, we must be in community. To understand the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we must taste of a love bigger than ourselves, a love mutually shared and appreciated. Adam became two, and the two were to form a loving family that expressed the will of God on earth. However, just as the fullness of God is expressed in community, so is the depravity of humanity. Adam and Eve were unwilling to simply trust their loving Creator. Instead, they needed control. In pursuing control, they isolated themselves from their Creator and their created purpose, serving the created over the Creator. God created Adam and Eve in His image, to image Himself on earth. Their lives were to be an expression of God's will and a demonstration of God's character. Ultimately, Adam and Eve were created to embody the prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10. However, Adam and Eve refused to follow their God-ordained path. Instead of carrying out God's will, they chose to pursue a will of their own. They chose to serve themselves instead of God. They chose to serve the created instead of the Creator. The scripture states that God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Within the garden, he gave them all they needed for abundant life, quote, every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food, including, quote, the tree of life, Genesis 3, 9. Adam and Eve were placed in Eden's garden to, quote, to work it and keep it. God also called them to enjoy the fruit of every tree in the garden, but one, quote, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Genesis 3.16 Theologians have debated why God placed a forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. One also wonders why that forbidden tree had such a seemingly harmless name. If eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would lead to death, why did not God call it the tree of sin and death, or the tree of depravity, or even the tree of rebellion? What is so wrong with knowing good and evil, and why would such knowledge lead to death? God's relationship with humanity is ultimately a relationship of love. If a relationship is rooted in love, there must be the option of choice. Love requires what we must be able to receive and to give love of our own volition. To have no option but to love is not love at all. God truly desired for humans to know and to experience His love. Therefore, He provided humans the option to choose to love or not to love Him. To have choice, humans must have options. If Adam and Eve had been provided no opportunity to sin, they would have had no opportunity to love. Therefore, God gave them the option to do other than His will and place the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in their midst. In the context of choice, a tree that contained the knowledge of good and evil is extremely important. If Adam and Eve had decided to simply trust God, they would not have needed the knowledge of good and evil.
Knowledge is only needed if individuals want to make their own decisions or to come to their own conclusions concerning what is right or wrong behavior. If Adam and Eve had trusted God and truly believed they were to be expressions of His will on earth, they would have simply followed His lead and trusted His instructions. Maybe over time, God would have given them the knowledge of good and evil. But in the beginning, it was not necessary for them to have such knowledge to follow God. Knowledge of good and evil was needed only if they wanted to form their own opinion or second opinions on what they were supposed to do and say. Ultimately, Adam and Eve rebelled by making their own choice to serve their own purposes. Instead of serving the Creator, they tried to gain knowledge to serve themselves. God's response to this rebellion was to remark that Adam and Eve had now, quote, become like one of us in knowing good and evil. In knowing good and evil, Adam and Eve were now extremely dangerous. Although they had been created in God's image and blessed with the ability to be fruitful, to multiply and have dominion, they now had understanding they could use for their own wicked purposes. Therefore, God prevented Adam and Eve from eating from the tree of life and living forever. God had commanded Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They decided to embrace the serpent's logic and to eat from a tree that promised them their own knowledge to make their own choices. The fruit of the rebellion was death. Paul seemed to allude to Adam and Eve's rebellion when he described the rebellion of all humans in Romans. Quote, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Romans 1, 21-25 Adam and Eve followed the serpent's advice and served themselves. They served the created instead of their creator. They served themselves over and above God. As has every human. Every person is responsible for his or her own betrayal of the creator's will. Although every life is a gift from God, we have each used our lives for our own selfish and self-centered purposes. This has done great damage to our relationship with God and with each other. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to gain control over their lives. Instead of entrusting their well-being to God, they wanted their own knowledge of what was right and wrong. In gaining this knowledge, Adam and Eve thought they would be less dependent upon God, less needy and more God-like. The serpent's temptation appears to be rooted in this issue of control and power. Listen to what the serpent said. Here's the quote. Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, 
your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight, a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. That's Genesis 3, 1-6. The serpent offered a rather straightforward temptation. The serpent suggested that by eating from the tree, Adam and Eve would gain equal standing with God. They would have God's knowledge and God's wisdom. Surely they would not be harmed or die. In fact, the serpent suggested that the only reason God did not want Adam and Eve to have their own knowledge was that God feared they would become divine. So Adam and Eve tried to seize control and power over their lives. They grasped for the tree of knowledge. They tried to obtain a fruit that would give them the wisdom to control their own destiny. In doing so, they brought death upon themselves and distance to their relationships. My tree of ruin. With so many ways of hurting each other, people can be terrifying. I have always been a rather emotional person. I do not know if this is an aspect of my dyslexia or of my biological or emotional makeup, but I have a difficult time feeling comfortable in group settings. People who do not know me well find my emotional issues hard to imagine. My vocation as a pastor, writer, and speaker has led me to communicate to thousands of individuals. Even so, I often feel overwhelmed, awkward, and out of place in social situations. My discomfort is primarily because I tend to be an anxious, hypersensitive introvert. Through the years, I have picked up some definitions concerning introverts and extroverts that have helped me to understand why I have had such a difficult time abiding in community. In the most basic terms, an extrovert feeds off the energy of the room, while an introvert is drained by the activity of the room. Extroverts feed off of the people, while introverts weaken in groups. Extroverts seek people to be rejuvenated. Introverts seek solace. Extroverts tend to be somewhat thick-skinned. Introverts can be easily hurt or emotionally overwhelmed. Extroverts do not mind getting to know new people in new environments, while introverts usually feel comfortable only with people they consider emotionally safe or environments where they have control. A common misgiving concerning introverts is that they all keep to themselves. This is simply not true. Certainly some introverts live relatively isolated lives. However, introverts also exist in large communities, but with controlled boundaries and habits. For instance, some introverts can speak to thousands of people in a controlled setting, yet experience difficulty existing in another informal setting, such as a small home group. I have seen this with pastors of large churches, comedians, authors, and entertainers. Although they can captivate a room full of people, they are frequently drained by the experience and overwhelmed by the relational elements that accompany their public speaking. To be an introvert is often more about the emotional cost to the person than about their activities. Along with being an introvert, I am a hypersensitive and emotional person. I would liken my emotional life to a sensitive stringed instrument. Even the slightest stroke of my emotional strings can lead to a deep and prolonged reverberation. Sometimes the note is pure joy or sincere exuberance. Other times it is profound sorrow or agonizing heartache. Regardless of my own self-regulating efforts or the well-intentioned advice of others, I have frequently been unable to prevent my emotional strings from playing their own tune. 
This too has led me to be wary of environments where I might possibly experience hurt and the plucking of painful strings. There are so many personality nuances that make up a person. The nature and nurture of a person are far too complex to dissect and categorize. I honestly do not know if my emotional makeup, dyslexia, and introverted nature influenced my fear of abiding with others, but I know that I have always struggled with low-grade anxiety about how I exist in community. I cannot ever remember feeling comfortable in a room full of people. I have had to work hard at trying to belong or to feel as if I belong. Not only have I worked hard to feel comfortable in groups, I have also assumed responsibility for making things right. As the middle child of five, I tried to make everyone happy or at least to make everything okay. Throughout my life, I have tried to bring peace to every room and to eliminate and to resolve every conflict. For me, well-being was synonymous with the absence of conflict, tension, or emotional pain. Consequently, I became an expert in helping those around me deal with arguments, tensions, and emotional pain. The skills I developed made me look like someone who would make a good pastor. However, I developed many of these talents for the wrong reasons. I can relate to Adam and Eve's desire for control. I understand how they wanted knowledge to deal with their present circumstances and their future challenges. When I became a pastor, I felt I had many skills that other pastors lacked. I thought that I was just a little bit wiser, stronger, and better prepared to deal with the burdens of ministry. Throughout my life, I had worked hard to understand the complexities of human nature. In my desire to prevent or to solve conflict, I had become somewhat of an expert in human behavior. Or at least, that is what I thought in the naivete of my youth. I assumed I had learned enough to avoid most of the heartache and the conflict I had seen and experienced as a kid growing up in the church. I thought I would be able to structure the church and my ministry in a way that kept people from hurting each other and hurting me. If I just said the right words, lived the right life, and structured the right church, I would create a congregation where people would not hurt each other, and more importantly, would not hurt me. I believe if many of us were honest with ourselves, we would admit to this primitive desire not to be hurt by others. Everyone desires to be loved, but if we cannot be loved, we at least do not want to be harmed. Consequently, we often structure our lives to mitigate our risk of being hurt. We avoid people, places, and situations that will increase our likelihood of being wounded. Sometimes we include the church in this list. For me, I tried to start a church that would satisfy the need not to be hurt. Sure, I wanted others to feel loved, but for me personally, my goal was not to be harmed. However, as I ministered, I realized that no matter how I structured the church, I could not avoid being hurt. I also noticed that even when I solved conflicts, these resolutions often did not bring me peace. Instead, my ability to solve problems or bring about conflict resolution made me feel more conflicted. Rather than bringing people love from God's tree of life, I anxiously sought wisdom from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I tried to process people through my own wisdom, from my own emotional well-being. Instead of learning how to make room for the love of Christ, I pastored people from a place of fear and anxiety for the purpose of control. I was loving people to avoid conflict, all the while growing more conflicted within myself.
My ministry looked loving, but so much of what I did was motivated by a desire to make conflict and problems go away. Instead of growing in love, I was becoming a restless problem solver. While others were helped by my advice or pastoral counsel, I grew more restless. I grew restless because no matter how many problems I solved or conflicts I resolved, there was always another one on the horizon. No matter what I did or said or how I structured my church, discord was inevitable. The kind of conflict where people you have loved and invested your life in will scream at you, slam the door to your office, and leave just because you gently said something they did not want to hear. In those first few years of ministry, I came to the stark realization that no one can avoid the conflict and hurt of community. Adam and Eve wanted the knowledge of good and evil so they could be like God. They wanted control. I also wanted to control my environment and the people around me. I wanted to say and do everything just right so I could avoid dealing with the reality of what happens when you love real people and foster real relationships. I thought that if I just did it better than everyone else, I could somehow avoid the pain of abiding with broken people and I would not have to depend upon the grace and love of God. When I look back at my foolishness, I realize I was trying to lead without truly depending upon the reconciling power of the gospel and the hard long-term work of authentically abiding with those entrusted to my care. I tried to avoid being dependent upon the power of God's grace, love, and mercy. I tried and failed. Instead of learning to love amid conflict, I tried to process people out of conflict. I'm thankful God had enough grace for me. He had enough grace to show me the futility of my efforts. He offered a better way and brought me back to the tree of life. Over time, I've learned to appreciate the assignment of simply loving people. It is not my job to solve every conflict. I do not have to make everything right or have all the right knowledge for God to be sovereign and the world to be okay. In fact, I do not need to figure out life's complexities. Instead, I get to learn how to love during conflict, amid the perpetual messiness that arises when people gather in the name of the Lord. I may be emotional, I may be an introvert, I may be anxious, I might even feel too weak to abide with others. Regardless, I do not have to control things. I do not have to take over, and I do not have to run away. I have a God who understands and who helps me when I face the complex realities of living in authentic relationship with people. I was created to put my trust in God, not in my own strength or knowledge. Therefore, I can learn to control less and to love more. That's from the fourth chapter in the Community of God, a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor, me talking about control. Are you serving the created or the creator? Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're worried. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're weak. Are you serving your strengths? Are you serving God's power? Maybe it's time to stop controlling people. Maybe it's time to stop trying to figure everything out. Just to entrust your life into the hands of God. I know that I can't control the world. It's not my job to control the world. I've got weaknesses that will be with me until the day I die. But I've been called to be a pastor, and so I can walk into the room, and I can be weak, and God can be strong. And I can be loving, and I can let people be who they are, and I can trust that God will be enough. 
and you trust that God will be enough in your relationships. And you stop controlling, and you stop manipulating, and you stop running away. And you just abide in the room and say, this is who I am. And God's got to be greater. And God's got to be bigger. And God's got to be stronger. And God will be enough. Can we trust the Lord? Can we trust that his knowledge, his wisdom, his strength, his kingdom is enough? Come, Lord Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to serve you, not ourselves. We want to serve you, not ourselves. Let your kingdom come. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you want to pick up this book, it's called The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. It's available at Amazon. You can go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org, to find out more information. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Go to fairlyspiritual.org to find that out and also to donate to keep this show on the air. Feel free to text me, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. He's with you. He's not against you. He's for you. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.